0: Hebrews 5. I'm going to pick back up. We left off a few weeks ago here in this book. And coming back to it now, that is the normal preaching ministry here in this church is that we go uh, chapter by chapter. Sometimes verse by verse. But certainly section by section through the scriptures a book at a time. And we've now been in Hebrews for several months And this is where we are. So you know that when we leave off at a particular verse this week, we come back together next week to pick up uh, where we dropped off at. So this week, Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Now before I read, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you today that we can come into this place, sing your praises, um, pray to you, give hopefully with the same generosity with which you have so graciously given to us, and receiving your word. We are a people of your word. It is the foundation for living for the Christian. Our hearts are instructed. We are convicted. We are led to live in this world in a way that is pleasing to you. And we ask, God, that as we open up this book and read today, and as I preach, that you would communicate to us what you desire for your people to hear. Please lead us by your spirit. Your spirit attends to your word and shapes our hearts. And so we trust this time into your hands to do with it as you please. And we ask all this in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. You may have forgotten where we were when we left off. The writer of this book has been telling us about the priesthood of Jesus, and he's going to pick back up with that in chapter 7. But here, this is kind of like one of those little asides. It comes into his mind that maybe they're not quite ready for everything that he wants to teach to them. And so this is a bit of an aside. That's where he's at. So listen to it with that kind of mindset. He says, about this, talking again about the priesthood of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Oh, Heavenly Father, these are strong words. These are necessary words. They certainly were necessary for this church that existed 2,000 years ago, they needed to hear what this writer had to say. And I have to imagine that they are instructive for us today as well. So please have your way in our hearts. Open up our eyes if we are sluggish. Give us ears to hear. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last couple of years, uh, there's been a lot made. Of what the experts call learning loss from the pandemic. Maybe you've heard that phrase knocked around a little bit. It's because kids were kept out of the classrooms for so long. Their proficiency in most subjects naturally dropped off. They weren't receiving the same kind of instruction that they had once received. A New York Times article from this past November says that two decades of progress in math and reading was lost in nine-year-olds, meaning post-pandemic nine-year-olds had regressed to the scores of their age group from back in the 1990s or at the turn of the century. It made me wonder if some students out there, I thought there had to be, some students out there had returned to school and truly had forgotten how to read or had forgotten their abc's. And so a quick google search on that yielded those results and it told me about how that very thing had taken place over in india. It said many poor students returned to the classroom having forgotten how to read and write in hindi and in english and i'm sure the same thing took place right here. We're all learners, aren't we? Not just in the classroom. And the normal expectation for us in our learning is continual progress. We're supposed to learn, build on what we've learned, move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing until you become an expert of sorts or become mature in your learning. So we're supposed to make progress. We are not supposed to regress. And so when a person goes backward rather than forward, we want an explanation, do we not? What happened? What took place? Why did this happen like it did to help us make sense of some of these things? And the same holds true in our progress as a Christian. We use words like backslider to describe a person who is no longer moving forward in their maturity with Christ, but moving in reverse. We expect there to be an explanation for such a thing, or we want somebody to tell us how we are to fix it. How can we fix this? That's what the writer to the book of Hebrews is encountering in this church that he is teaching here. He has a lot of things that he wants to teach them about Christ. And at one time, they would have eagerly received what he has to say. But now we see in verse 11 that they have become dull of hearing. They're not listening like they used to. He says here, notice, they have become They have become. They weren't always this way. They've moved into this particular condition from where they were before. And it may have come slowly over time, maybe barely noticeable to the people who were there in that congregation. Maybe they didn't realize where they had gotten to. But to an outward observer who probably had not visited them in some time, the next time they walked in and mingled with those people and talked to them and heard the kind of conversation that they were having it would have become obvious something has changed here. This is not the same people that they used to be. That's the way it is with us and our appearance, is it not? When a person hasn't seen a child in a year or two, the growth can be shocking the next time that they come together. That can happen when a person starts to get up there in years as well. You've probably said at some point or another about somebody that you know, She's really starting to look old. Like you just hadn't seen them in a while. Next time you're there, like, whoa, wasn't expecting that. I cut my own hair. Maybe you all noticed. And it's been a while since I pulled out the mirror and looked at the back of my own head. I did that last week. And I thought, man, has it been that long since I've cut my hair? It's looking a lot different back there than it used to. A little bit surprising. And so with us day by day, changes are not easy to see, are they? We don't see the changes day by day. But after a long leave of absence, changes are obvious, clear, stark, startling even. And with this man who's writing, the changes in these people, in this church, they are surprising to him. He would not have expected it Because he knew them before. He knew where they stood before, how strong they were, the way that they served, the way that they loved one another, the way they were committed to the gospel. He once knew these people as alert, keen to listen, keen to obey. But now, he says, they have gotten dull of hearing. What does it mean to be dull? Dull of hearing. It means sluggish or lazy. It comes from two words that mean no and push. Put those two words together and I think we get it, right? No push. Got no push in me. No oomph. No want to. No desire. No get up and go. Sluggish. And at one time, if there was any resistance to the progress of these people as they wanted to move forward, they would have pushed back. But now they've got no push. My hope this morning is that each of you here will make an honest assessment of where you are in your progress as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so if sluggishness or no push can happen in this ancient church that was so close to the events of the earthly ministry of Christ, right in the middle of the time of the apostles, some of these people... Some of these people would have known Paul. They would have known Peter. They would have been right there in the ministry of the apostles. And if sluggishness can happen to them, do we not think we are all so susceptible to it 2,000 years later in the time when we now live? A time when we have so many distractions, so many more comforts, so much more prosperity, I hope you will genuinely ask yourself if you are really maturing or if you might be moving backward. The truth of the matter is is that nobody in this room today is staying the same. There is no such thing as being in neutral as a Christian. You're not just sitting there treading water, staying where where you've always been. You're either moving forwards or you're moving backwards. You're either making progress or you are in regress. And we're going to look at the final few verses here and just allow God to let them have their way in our hearts. One of the key indicators of the problem in this church is seen there in verse 12. Look with me if you would. These people had been Christians long enough where a certain kind of progress should have been made. He says, though, by this point, you should be teachers. At the point that you are at right now, you should be teachers, meaning they've been in the faith long enough, they've learned long enough, they've been sitting under the ministry of the Word long enough. And so he expects the next time he sees them, talks to them, all these people should be mature enough to be teachers. Now, he does not mean that every one of them should be standing in front of a classroom of sorts doing a Bible study. That's not what he means here. He means that it should be the normal expectation that any maturing disciple is able to instruct somebody else in the basics of Christianity. Just one-on-one. You get together for coffee with somebody that you know, somebody in the church, and during the course of that conversation, you are able to communicate something of who Jesus Christ is, what he has done, what he's doing in your life. You're able to instruct someone in that way. That's his expectation for every one of these people that he writes this letter to. So if a person comes to the church for many years, taught the Bible from the pulpit, sits through Bible studies, discipleship classes, spends time in conversation with other Christians, sings songs with good doctrinal content, but is never able to communicate the basics of Christ to other people with any real substance, The stuff that he claims that he believes, says he's a Christian. If that is what is taking place, this is a cause for great concern. Progress has not been made. Every person here should see this verse right here and understand that at some point you should become an instructor of other people. He says here, by this time you ought to be teachers. So we understand that disciples will make other disciples by communicating the truths of the gospel that they have learned. And so I ask each one of you this morning directly, have you gotten to a place where you can teach others about Christ? If you have kids or grandkids, can you tell them something more than simply Jesus died for your sins? Can you tell them why he died for their sins? Can you tell them how forgiveness comes to a child of God? Can you tell them where their righteousness comes from as they stand before God? Can you explain these things from God's Word? Can you tell them about the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of God's people? And how someone is supposed to make progress? None of these things are the stuff of advanced Christianity. So could you teach these kinds of things to others? Do you demonstrate, by the way that you live, a continual hunger for God's Word? Do you choose to spend time reading the Word? Do you ask other people their thoughts about it? When you gather with other people, is that ever the substance of your conversation? I know it's so much easier to talk about football. I do. Sports politics. Those things come up? Fine. But is that the main thing in your conversation? Or does your life demonstrate that Christ is first and that you want to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ? Look here again at verse 12. He tells us that every true Christian is on a diet of some kind. The stuff that is being eaten. And the writer gives us two items on the Christian menu milk and solid food. I think we can easily grasp his point because we understand the difference between the eating habits of babies and adults. We've got a baby in the back, back there, right, Sue? We all know what that baby eats. He's not chewing on steak today, he's not eating imperial pizza for lunch. At least we don't think so that baby's drinking milk that's the expectation of what little ones do it would be a strange thing though if on our next wednesday prayer dinner that we asked everybody to bring milk and gerber baby food wouldn't it like ah (laughs) what bonnie that'd be good Oh, well, you bring that for yourself next time. Make sure it's the green beans, too, and the peas. Yeah. And we'll see how much you and everybody else wants to eat when we have chili and soup, you know? Yeah. (laughs) There are some truths that are supposed to be learned early on. This is what is being called milk. They're foundational truths. He calls them here the basic principles of the oracles of God. And he really is describing what in our vernacular would be ABCs. He's talking about the ABCs of the Christian life. He says that they again need to be taught these things. They have remained on milk. When by this point, they should be eating solid food. But they haven't moved on. Or after they moved on, they just went back. What a strange thing again, right? The thought of that. Moved on to solid food and then went back to milk. Again, he's surprised. They've received this teaching in the past, these things that he wants to communicate, but now all this time later, they've got to be taught again the small things, the first things of the Lord. Not progress again, but regress. Then he goes on in the next two verses to give us what we should expect of the immature and the mature, what this milk and solid food looks like. Look at verse 13. He says that the immature, the child, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Unskilled in the word of righteousness means that this type of person is inexperienced in handling it. He's unacquainted with how to use it well. And if Christianity were a union trade, this kind of person will be considered an apprentice, not yet developed in his skills, a starter, someone who must be taught the very basic things, not ready to be out there on his own. The tools of the trade are not yet familiar in his hands. He's not learned all of the craft. When he starts out in his profession, The job is overwhelming, looks out there at everything that must be learned, all the tools that must be used, and thinks to himself, man, I am not ready for this. When will I ever be ready for this job? I'll never get this figured out. And he looks around at all the other people and sees them using the tools, and man, these people, how did they get this all figured out? They're so far ahead of me. It all looks so easy to them. And I imagine that you can relate in some way. If you've ever started a new job, which all of you have at some point, I'm assuming, or you started going to school, and you think to yourself, this is just too much. I'll never be in a place where all of this makes sense. But then the time comes, does it not, when it's all starting to be a little bit more second nature. Your hands, your mind, everything working together, the experience has been gathered. This is the person right here who he is describing as unskilled in the word of righteousness. They're the apprentice, the child. To these people, the Bible is a book of stories and morals and principles. But this person has never yet gotten to the place where he can handle it well. He can't put it all together. Just a loose attachment of things. Doesn't quite make sense. In fact, when he does try to handle it, he handles the word poorly because his skills are not yet developed. And from what we're being told here about the immature person, we can understand, in turn, something about the mature. So if the immature is like this and they are unskilled in their handling of the word of righteousness, well, that must mean that the mature person is skilled and how he or she handles it. He's handled God's Word long enough to where there is proficiency. There's ability. Like the craftsman, there is the ability to do detail, to do the smooth edges. The maturing man or woman of God gets to the point where they grasp the truth love them she reminds herself of them often and then at some point is then able to communicate those truths to someone else to give them instruction to help that person to learn so if you were to walk onto a job site where carpenters are all there working together finishing the the trimming out of the house, finishing all the woodwork, all the details. All three kinds of these people would probably be there. The man who is just learning how to use the tools, he's there. The man who is able to use them with some proficiency and be left there on his own to do the job. But then there will also be the person Who has learned for so long how to be proficient, how to have the ability that he is able then to take others underneath his wing and instruct them as well. This is how you do it. Let me show you the way, the skills of the trade. He knows the proper order to how things are done, that this comes before that. doesn't make any sense to learn this before you learn this. You don't learn how to use a coping saw before you learn how to use the miter saw. There's just a natural progression to things. So whoever is writing this letter, he can see something of where these people are in the skills of the trade that we would call discipleship. This man right here is a master. He's learned, he's proficient, and he's now able to instruct other people. And he wants the folks in this church to learn more complex doctrines, specifically where he left off about Jesus' priesthood and about Melchizedek. But at this point, they are giving him reason to wonder if they're ready for it. And he says to them, they should be ready. They should be ready. They've been on the job site for several years now. They've touched the tools. They've been taught. But for some reason or another, they have not maintained their skills and they have to be taught all the basics again. So I ask you, brothers and sisters. As God's Word presents it just plainly and clearly in front of us, I ask you, where are you in the Christian trade? In your own discipleship? How long have you been on the job site? Are you growing in your skill of God's Word? Do you have a good handle on things? And are you able at this point to pass along the knowledge of the trade to someone else? At some point, at some point, the expectation is that every person here can do that. One last thing he gives us about the mature. He gives us a distinguishing mark of the mature man or woman of God. He says here that the mature have their powers of discernment trained by constant use to distinguish good from evil. It's interesting, isn't it? Not only are these people skilled in handling the word of righteousness, they are wise in practical living because of it. They're able to apply it. So they're not just out there communicating Bible jeopardy. You know? At night, before, I go to, before my son goes to sleep, he's got these little cards that come from something called the Action Bible. And it's just random questions about people, places and things in Scripture and there's clues. And he wants to see how many it'll take before I get the answer right. And it's great to know the answer, right? We need to learn those answers, but that's not what maturity is all about, just being able to give a Bible answer. It's knowing how to apply it to life. So as things are happening in your life, in your parenting, as a husband or wife, at your job place, how you just make decisions about what is best? Are you skilled enough? Have you soaked yourself long enough in God's Word to where it comes out in the way that you choose to live? The decisions that you make. Somebody can observe by watching you. Not just by hearing your Bible knowledge, but by watching you that you are a godly man or woman. That you've soaked so long, it just oozes out in the way that you live your life. By constant use of God's word, you are now able to distinguish the good thing from the evil thing. This is the kind of person that you want in your corner. And so if you're not yet at this point, this is the type of person that you want on speed dial, right? Do you have that kind of person in your life? We've had those people here. Those people are still here. I think of, I think of Bonnie Ress. On some afternoons, you know, up until the time when Bonnie died, if you all don't know who she is, she still maintained, she called it her little job of doing the envelopes in here. They're in the back of the chairs. She would come in and put the envelopes there. She put the little blue cards there. She was in her 90s, you know, and she was always ready for a conversation, no matter who came by. And it just naturally came out in Bonnie's conversation. Her love for the Lord, her love for God's Word. You, just, you couldn't have a conversation with her without those things coming out. They were just natural to her. They were second nature. Now, it's possible that Bonnie could have lived until she was 92 years old and that not have been the case. It does not correlate necessarily with age. It just so happened that she had walked with the Lord all of this time and she was soaked in God's Word. And you wanted to hear what she had to say because she, by constant use of God's Word, had learned how to distinguish the difference between good and evil. And sometimes this type of person doesn't even know that is what they are doing. They can't necessarily give you a Bible verse or something like that that backs up what they have to say. It's just, again, they've soaked so long in it. They just know they're led by these principles, these truths that are now second nature to them. And they can say something like, that just didn't right. Like, I don't know what I can say to you. Like, I just know that's not the case. That's not the direction you should take. That is unwise. Don't do that. That's ungodly. And you say, why? Like, I just can tell you this is not pleasing to the Lord. Give me some time. Maybe I'll come back with the Bible verses. That's what you really want. But by constant use, he says, this is the mature, solid food. They've been eating that solid food for so long. They have their powers of discernment trained to distinguish good from evil. This kind of person is not impulsive, led by feelings, indecisive, easily led astray by what they hear out there on the street or on social media. It's not the kind of person this is. They have soaked so long in God's word. They hear it. They know it. They know what is wise. They know what is pleasing to the Lord, and they know it's not. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Are you becoming like that for others? Are you growing into that place? Or this is the diet that you have every day you're chewing on solid food you're looking for it there's never been a time and place where people have more access to good doctrinal teaching than right now i guess i could also say there's never been a time when people have access to such bad teaching too there's so much garbage out there Oh. If if you I mean a type of community like this, if you would just ask, if you're not sure, like you're listening to some things, would you please ask some other mature, godly Christians around you if they've ever heard of the type of stuff that you're listening to? Because it can be packaged in a very attractive, biblical-sounding way, and yet you be led astray. So, if there's some podcasts that you're listening to, some preachers. Can you ask somebody around you like, hey, have you ever heard of this guy? Can you tell me something about him? I'd love to have some of those questions come my way. And I'm sure some others here would love that as well. Ask somebody. Because it might be that you are being led back into milk or something worse, sour milk, rather than God's word. The kind of learning loss that those kids in India and those here in America, I'm sure, the kind of learning loss that they have experienced is a sad thing. Reading, writing, as they used to say, arithmetic are all important things in life, but they are not ultimate things. Education is not an ultimate thing. I mean secular education. Good things can be. But they're not ultimate things. And so a dullness of hearing, a dullness of heart, a sluggishness in the things of the Lord, they may not be signs of temporary setback. They might actually be signs of an eternal setback. The people of God are not generally described as those with no push for the Lord. They are a people who should be described as having much push for the Lord. Much love, much hunger for righteousness, much obedience. And so this man wrote these words to shake these people out of their slumber, their sluggishness, their laziness that he was observing, so they could regain their faithfulness, their first love for Christ. He could see that was not the case anymore. Something else had taken its place. Jesus, the gospel, faithfulness, those were secondary. Maybe even less than secondary. And this is an encouragement for all of us here. If any of this describes you, and you see it here in God's Word, you see it. You don't have to tell anybody else around you right now, but you see it. Own it. Own it. Don't deflect it. Don't make excuses for it. Just own it and repent of sinful slackness. Ask God right there where you sit right now for a renewed zeal for the things of Jesus Christ and move toward maturity. There is so much better for you in that direction than whatever other direction you're taking right now. Eat solid food, become a skilled tradesman, learn to teach others the skills of your trade. And all of this will result in greater joy in living and the growth of Christ's kingdom at the same time. And so brothers and sisters, this is God's word for us this morning. Let's take it. Let's take it to heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word that I have to imagine is a word in due season for this church, just as it was a word in due season for this ancient church. We thank you for your word, and we pray, Father, that we would be a people here at CAS who are skilled in it, that we're led by your Spirit to understand the things of Jesus Christ, to love those things, to love to be instructed in those things and not just be distracted constantly by things that do not matter eternally. You've given us a world to live in that we can be fascinated by, that point toward a creative and beautiful-minded God. Much to learn here. We most of all want to be a people who learn your word and how to live in obedience by it because we want to be pleasing to our Savior. So would you please guide us, Lord, that this might be a place where all skill levels are present, that we've got new people here who are learning. That is a good thing. They're hungry, and they're able to come to others that are a little further along in the trade, who can take them underneath their wing and show them the delight of the beautiful doctrines of Jesus Christ. Lead us all forward wherever we are. May none of us be going backward. Convict us, challenge us, and lead us, our Heavenly Father, who always desires to do us good. We trust this into your hands and ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.